Well, again, we are continuing in our series called The Leader Worth Following. And today I want to start by uh, telling you a sad story. So uh, many of you know that I have a five-year-old, soon-to-be six-year-old daughter named Marin. And before Marin, uh, we were trying, my wife and I, Nicole and I, were trying to have her get pregnant. Sometimes people say um, we were trying to get pregnant. I wasn't trying to get pregnant. <laughs> I was trying to impregnate. And so... <laughs> You know, for the sake of the future. And so, the next generation. You know, and so, um, we were trying. And it was fun. And uh, we, have, we eventually did get pregnant. And uh, what happened after that was really sad. Um, she, uh, short of it is, Nicole had a, a very late miscarriage. Uh, in the fall of, uh, in, the, in the summer of um, 2012. And it was really hard and it was really sad. I and mean, we had to go in for the DNC and she had to be put under. And we were really, really sad. And Nicole was just devastated by the whole thing. And I was sad. I was sad. We were both sad. And it was really hard. And one of the things that was really hard after the whole DNC and after the whole miscarriage was like, how do we move forward? We still want to have a child, but how do we push through? Well, where do we find the courage to do what we need to do? Like, what if it happens again? And like, what if it happens again? And what if it happens again? Like, and we run all the scenarios and it was really hard. And what we learned through that is that courage in those situations uh, doesn't mean that you're not without any kind of fear. And sometimes we think that courage means that there's no fear, and that's not true. Courage is not the absence of fear. Fear is present many times when we need to make a courageous decision. And I'm not saying I'm super courageous for getting back on the horse to try to have a baby. You know, we we were trying, but we had to overcome that fear. And it took a level of courage. And we asked God to give it to us. That God, give us peace in our hearts and our minds to have the courage we need to overcome our fear. Now, this is true uh, in many walks of life, in many situations. Courage is not the absence of fear. Just think of all the, maybe if you were like at any time a kid. Uh, how many here? I'm not going to do a show of hands. But you were all children at one time. And there was always, <laughs> oh, you were kids. And then you get less and less participation as the talk goes on because it's like stupid questions. So, uh, yeah, it's going to be one of those days. Um, so when you were a kid, there was a high dive on some diving board outside of some, in, hopefully inside of some pool. And when you went on that diving board the, and it was a really high dive or maybe you were a skier growing up. And it was a really big mountain that you were going to ski down. The person that was considered courageous, the person that was considered the leader was usually who? The first one off the diving board. The first one off the ski hill, off the mountain or whatever. And like, I think that that is like important for us to consider when we're thinking about leadership and when we're thinking about courage. Courage is, is not necessarily the absence of fear, but it's the person that sees the issue and is willing to step forward in not because they have no for, fear, but in spite of their fear. And what I want to talk to you today about is courage. 
if you hadn't figured that out. Courage is required for leadership. Each of you needs courage for the difficult decisions you need to make, as well as the everyday situations uh, and decisions that you need to make. There are things happening in your life that require courage. And I know, I know you look at other people and you go, wow, they're so courageous. Look at what they're willing to do and step out. And I'm telling you today, I'm telling you today that that is possible for you. It is possible for you to operate with a higher level of courage for the situations and the decisions that you need to make. And if you want to become a leader who's worth following, and everyone, like we said every week, everybody's a leader on one level or another. You lead somebody, whether it's a team, whether it's in a relationship, you're all leading somebody. If you want to become a leader worth following, you must and I must develop a level of courage that's deeper than the courage we have today. So I've called today's talk uh, The Courage to Lead. I'm going to pray and invite God's presence. And then we're going to take a look at a story that perhaps some of you have heard before. Will you join me in prayer? Uh, God, we ask you to be here today. That you would speak to each of us. God, that I I ask that you would call people forward. And that you would give them uh, courage to face their situations and the decisions that they need to make. God, I ask that you would help me to speak as I should. Guide my language. uh, Help me to say things that perhaps I wasn't planning to say. I give you this time. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. Well, if you're following along, we have these little sheets that you can fill out uh, along the way. And if you have a Bible or you have a phone and you want to click off uh, the other apps and open a Bible app, you can follow along with me. Uh, We're going to be taking a look at 1 Samuel 17. That's in the Old Testament. That means this story happened before the time of Jesus. And in 1 Samuel 17, we're going to be taking a look at one of the world's most famous, not just the Bible's most famous, but one of the world's most famous stories of courage. And I'm talking about none other than the story of David and Goliath. David and Goliath, it was David, this young man against a Goliath who was a giant. And in the story, we're going to be taking a look at different little verses. I'm not going to read all 50 verses to you. Uh, Sorry, people, I'm just not going to do it. But we're going to be highlighting things along the way. And I'm going to be filling in the blanks with that story. So let me give you the background on this story. There is two teams. There are the Israelites... And there are the Philistines and they were going to war. And so they came to this big valley. Okay. And on either side, there was one team, which was the Israelites. And there was the Philistines on the other. And in the valley, they were supposed to run down and fight each other. And they were going to kill each other. And whoever would win would, you know, be able to take over that territory. The scene is set for this big arena fight. And it's all, everyone's all shaping up. Everyone's all lined up. They have all their swords and spears and their bows and arrows and shields. And they're on either side and they're cheering at each other. And what happens is the Philistines send down a giant who's like 10 feet tall. And he has a spear that's really heavy. And he has a sword that's like heavier than me, which is pretty heavy. And so, and he's like, and he has been fighting in battles since he was a kid. And he says, he gets up there, and I'm paraphrasing, he says, fee fi fo fum I'm going to kill you. 
And here's the plan. What if we try to do this? And instead of us just killing all each other and with all this bloodshed, why don't you just send down one person to fight me in the middle? And whoever wins that contest, that will decide the whole thing. What do you say? And, the, and so that's where we pick up in the story. In verse 8, it says, Goliath stood and shouted to the ranks of Israel, Why do you come out and line up for battle? Am I not a Philistine and you are not servants of Saul? Choose a man and let him come down to me. If he is able to fight and kill me, we will become your subjects. But if I overcome and kill him, you will become our subjects and serve us. Now, this was uncommon. Most of the time it was traditional battle. You run down into the middle and you kill each other. But what he's offering is something really different. And, uh, And then we read in verse 10, it says this, it says, then the Philistine said, that's Goliath. He said, this day, I defy the armies of Israel. Give me a man and let us fight each other. On hearing the Philistines words, Saul, now Saul was the king of Israel. Saul and all the Israelites were dismayed and terrified. This is discouraging. This is incredibly discouraging. You're like, man, I would fight, maybe fight anyone else, but I have to go down there and I have to fight that guy. He's like really tall. He's taller than LeBron James. He is a big guy and he's going to kill me. I don't want to do that. Maybe my friend will do that. But, and if I lose, it's not just me that loses my life. It's shame and dishonor on my whole country and my whole family. And we will forever be servants or subjects to this other country. It's not a good situation. It's discouraging. And, you know, here's what happens. So, this goes on every day. Goliath comes down into the field and he has his sword and he has a shield bearer because, you know, he's popular. He, every, every giant needs a personal assistant to carry your shield. He's got the shield and every day he goes, fee, fi, fo, fum, come send someone down and uh, we'll fight. And he does this for 40 days straight. And every day the Israelites kind of look, put their heads down and they walk away kind of like Charlie Brown. And they're all sad. And then one day a guy named David... David comes into the scene. He's a teenager. He comes and his dad had sent him uh, to bring grain and bread to David's older brothers. Now, that's something you did. If you were a family, you sent supplies from your family to take care of your family on the front lines of a battle. So David, being the youngest, the dad sends him. He says, son, now take this bread and and this grain to your older brothers at the battle. Also, here's some cheese. I don't know why they mentioned this, but here's some cheese and give that to the leader of the platoon. It's 10 pieces of cheese. He's building a charcuterie board before they all die. Here you go. (laughs) Take it, take it. Got some Swiss, maybe a little brie. Mm, mm, So good. Maybe some goat cheese, given the area. So he sends the cheese off to the commander and he takes the bread and the other things and he drops it off and then he's dropping it off and then he runs up to the see what's going on with the battle and you can imagine there's all these people they're standing they're peeking over trying to figure out what's up uh, he's trying to figure out what's up and his brothers scold him they're like dude like we know why you're here you just came to watch the battle you're a bloodthirsty guy and he's what i can't even say anything and there's this whole exchange and then it happens Again, it's like midday, the trumpet sounds, Goliath comes down into the field and he says, fee, fi, fo, fum. He does his thing and, um, and he's like, uh, he, he's all like, 
getting everyone sad and everyone's super sad. And David flips out internally. He goes, this is not right. Someone should be standing up to him. Someone should defy him. I can't believe all of you are sitting here allowing this to happen. And this is what we read in verses 32. uh, Before we get to verses 32, he he approaches. He says, I will fight him. And uh, and Saul says, no, you can't fight him. You're a kid. And uh, he says, no, I am going to fight him. That's, That's all there is to it. And this is what we read in verse 32. It says, David said to Saul, let no one lose heart on the account of this Philistine. Your servant will go and fight him. And Saul, the king, replied, he said, you are not able to go out against this Philistine and fight him. You are only a young man, and he has been a warrior from his youth. Okay, not bad advice. You're a kid, and this kid has been killing people since he was a kid. Don't do it. But David said to Paul, your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. When a lion or a bear came and carried off a sheep from the flock, I went after it, struck it, and rescued the sheep from its mouth. But when it turned on me, I seized it by its hair, struck it, and killed it. Your servant has killed both lion and the bear. This uncircumcised Philistine, which is apparently important for this discussion, this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them because he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will rescue me from the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said to David, go and the Lord be with you. That is incredible. Now, I don't know if you really uh, are getting this. Uh, I I hope you are. But like, do you realize what it takes to wrestle a bear? And he says, he's like, oh, the lion had a sheep in his mouth. So I hit him on the face. And And the lion turns around and he looks at me and he's like, okay, let's go. And he kills a lion. This guy shows some bravery. And so what we see is that David demonstrates incredible faith and courage in the face of probable death. And he looks at his past experiences with God, that God gave him the courage for his present circumstances now. And I think this is important for each of us. If we want to learn to have courage, one of the ways we can do it is we can remember the faithfulness of God in our past. Sometimes we as people, all we remember is the negative things that have happened to us. This bad thing happened here. This bad thing happened there. This person said this to me. Oh, last time I tried that, that turned out to be a disaster. And this one person from third grade made fun of me and I've never gotten over it. And what this is saying is that there are failures in your past that you can't get rid of, but there are also wins. And those wins have come from God. He has shown faithfulness to you. Just think back on your history. There are footprints next to your life that are the residue of God doing extraordinary things in your life. And maybe you haven't taken time to reflect on those things. And I have found, friend, that when we reflect on God's faithfulness in our past, it gives us the courage for the future. Does this not make sense? Does it make sense? And what I'd like to say to you is that if you want to build a foundation of courage, sometimes you have to look into the past and say, hey, where have I seen the hand of God? My hand of God rescued my family here. The hand of God has rescued me here. The hand of God had put blessing on what I was doing here and it helped people. It's not just a negative past and sometimes we need to... Uh, dispel just the negativity 
And we need to focus on the faithfulness of God. And that's what God calls us to do. That is one of the foundations of courage. And the way we do that is we reflect on our past and we practice gratitude. How often do you practice gratitude to God? You say, God, I am grateful. I'm grateful for my life. I'm grateful for this. I'm grateful for my relationship here. God, I know that I have a family of origin that might not be my favorite, but I'm grateful for this and that in my family. When we reflect and we show gratitude in our lives, we are setting ourselves up to remind ourselves of what faithfulness is and what God's faithfulness is. We have the potential to lean on those stories and push off with courage into the future. So there's that. Now, courage is not just the absence of fear. Courage is also not being careless. Now, in this story, right before David goes out into the field that I described, Saul's like, hey, if you're going to go out there, why don't you take my armor? I've got a pretty sweet armor, and I've got this really big sword. So David tries it on, and he's a teenager, and his posture is bad, I imagine. And he's got this huge sword and this heavy, bulky armor, and he can barely stand up. Imagine you putting on, like, your mom or dad's clothes or mom or dad's shoes and, like, walking around the house when you were a kid. That's what I imagine with David. He's trying on the armor of an adult king, who, by the way, uh, was apparently a very tall king. And it doesn't work. It doesn't fit. And he's like, this isn't working. I have to take it off. So he is careful enough. He recognizes that putting on the armor of somebody else, what works for somebody else won't work for him. Okay. And so we read this and here's what he did instead. In in verse 40, he says, then he took a staff in his hand. That's like a a stick staff. You know, staff is on you. Um, If I really need to explain a staff. Okay. And he chose five smooth stones from the stream, put them in the pouch of his shepherd's bag with a sling in his hand and approached the Philistine. What I get from this is that David was not careless. He was careful. He planned. He did what he knew he could do that best positioned himself to have the best chance possible to defeat a giant. And here's, what, here's an illustration I want to give to you. In college, uh, or at any party ever, in and around your 18-year-old self and your 24-year-old self, at any college party, maybe I'll just speak for myself, I don't know, there is always a buffoon at a college party. (laughs) There's always a buffoon. There's always the guy who does the thing, and it's very rarely women for some reason. I don't know. Maybe they're safer. Uh, I don't know. (laughs) Actuaries give them lower insurance rates. So it's actually, anyway, so... um, You go to a party and there's always the guy and there's the pool in the backyard and the guy is like, I am so strong and courageous. Let me get on the roof and jump off the roof into the pool. And he mostly makes it into the pool and his legs hit the side and they fall off. This is all on the internet. You can see this every day. Hashtag Barstool. So you can see all these things on the internet. uh, And that that is, but what I want to say is that being a buffoon is not actually courage. That's not real conviction Courage, doing the difficult thing. That's something else. Do you want to know what it's called? It's called liquid courage. And it comes from a different thing that you drink and put in your body. Now, and what I get from this is that that's like a careless expression of courage. 
And what we see with David is that he isn't careless. He's careful. He's careful to operate in his gifts. He knows what he's good at. He knows that he doesn't need an extra heavy sword. He knows that he can defeat a giant with a slingshot and a smooth, flat rock. And sometimes that is something that we need to consider when we're facing our giants and when we need to have courage. We need to understand and assess our own strengths. What are you good at? Good, stick to it. What are you not good at? Stop doing that, like right now. And what does it mean? If it, if it, sometimes it means figuring out, for instance, in a practical way, you're like, sometimes you guys, sometimes a person wants to charge and be like, I'm courageous, I'm going to go for it. I'm going to sell everything. I'm going to sell out and do the thing or the big thing. I'm so courageous. But you've never really taken the time to take a look at your financial resources to see if you can do it. And you, when you don't look at your financial resources to figure out if you can do the thing that will lead to the thing that you feel like you should do, and all of a sudden you run out of money, that's carelessness. That's not courage. Courage plus carefulness is a real thing. That's all I had to say about that. Okay, so don't be a buffoon. Part of being courageous is being careful. Operating in your gifts, using your skills, planning and seeking counsel from other people. Okay, so... David gets the stones from the creek and uh, Goliath is out there. And as David approaches, what happens? Well, first of all, Goliath gets really insulted. He's like, you send a boy to do a man's job. Apparently, this Philistine was from the SEC part of America, the southeastern part of the country. He's like, you saying a boy to do a man's job? And so he's like, fee-fi-fo-fum, you're going down, son. And what happens next? David takes, a, he takes one single rock and he, and he does his thing and he whips it and it hits uh, Goliath right in the middle of forehead and the text, which we won't read, actually says that it sinks in his forehead. The giant tumbles over in his face and uh, in his own face and he is dead. He kills the giant and it, we read in verse 51, it says, when the Philistines saw that their hero was dead, they turned and ran. The men, then the men of Israel and Judah surged forward and with a shout and pursued the Philistines to the entrance of Gath and to the gates of Ekron. Not Akron, Ohio, Ekron. And what we see, they couldn't believe it. You've got the Philistines on one side and the Israelites on the other and their, their giant falls over dead. And they're like, uh-oh, that was our whole game plan. And all of a sudden the Israelites are marching down, they chase them and everything Happens goes the opposite way of what you expect. And what you have is a teenager killing a professional giant killer. He does it. He kills him. And that is what we're talking about. It took great courage to do that. And what I'd like to do to do for you today is lay out a foundation. Some of the ways that courage operates and works for us as people. Okay. And the first way that I think we see here is that courage Express in four ways. Uh, I want to talk about the courage to be vulnerable. The courage to be vulnerable. What is vulnerability? Well, vulnerability is uncertainty, risk, emotional exposure. There will always be a level of uncertainty when you choose to do anything that requires courage. Everything worth doing that requires courage, will require you on some level to be vulnerable, to open up. Now, let me give you an illustration. 
I've been married for almost 14 years. And it's been great. And before we were married, uh, when we were starting to date, we, um, uh, we, were, we had been dating for six to eight months, and this extraordinarily awful thing happened. Uh, I got a call in the middle of the night. It was from Nikki's mom. Nikki's dad had passed away in a car accident. And I had to go down and tell her. And that was like the hardest thing I ever had to do. It was like, hey, I love you. Here's the phone. Here's your mom. She has something to say. That was really hard. Uh, Not as hard as having your dad die, but it was hard. And I remember we were getting serious and we were trying to be open with each other. And I just remember like both of us being like, we want to get married. We want this to work, but we've got to let this thing cook. We've got to let this stretch out. And we talked about it and we're like, look, you're, you're trying to get healthy from your dad dying, it's probably not the best idea for us to get engaged and married right this second. It's time for us to take time, allow you to be healthy. And also, like, it's important for us to really continue to get to know each other and spend time together and allow and see what, what's going to happen. And each of us have different relational uh, issues in our, in our past and also in, the, in the, our family of origin where things didn't really quite work out between spouses. And that created a level of like insecurity and fear like and when you're dating someone and you're really thinking about getting married uh there's always this period of time where you're really just you're like well i i've got to put myself out there i've got to be open to what you are going to do in this relationship god but like i'm also scared and that's what ha- that's what being vulnerable is at, and at some point we made a decision we're like we're going to move forward There are risks. I see you. I know that you're good, but you're not great. There's things I like about you. There's things that I don't like about you. And that went both ways. And part of being uh, courageous is choosing to be vulnerable, even when you don't have all the information. And even, uh, even if there are risks, you still make that choice. And let me tell you, if you are uh, thinking about getting married ever, you will never have 100% like all your answers. There will always be a percentage of you that will be uncertain with the other person. Now I'm not talking about major things like, uh, he doesn't have a job and he likes to gamble all my money on the weekends. Well, Southerner person, you should probably break up with him. Like that's like, you know, you shouldn't, but like I'm talking about the the minor things, there will always be a risk and that is inherent to courage. There's always a risk and it requires vulnerability, uh, to, to push through that marriage is a risk. And that means like being willing to say, uh, in other instances, it's being willing to say, I don't know. If you're at work and you're, there's a project and someone asks you a question, sometimes having courage and being vulnerable means saying, I don't know, or being willing to say, I'm not sure. Or, uh, and here's the real difficult way to be vulnerable. Hey, I messed this up. And, and that happens in marriages and also happens at work. Hey, I'm not afraid to tell you the truth. I'm going to be vulnerable here. I messed this up. Here's what didn't work. Here's what I should have done. Here's what I plan to do in the future. And courage requires a level of vulnerability. No vulnerability, no courage. Hey, I'm willing to look like a fool in order to see a breakthrough in my life. So courage. Courage not only is uh, encourages vulnerability required, but also there is the courage to say no. The courage to say no. You have a vision, 
You know what you're called to do. And in order to do it, sometimes you need to have the courage to say no. And in the story of David, we see him say no in two ways. First of all, he says no to the armor. No, uh, no, I have, I need to display courage and say, no, this armor, this sword, this shield, this thing, it's not going to work for me. No. But also David had the courage to say, no, no, the evil armies that seek to oppress this region will go no further. I will stand up and I will say no to the wrong things in this world. I stand up and say no. Now, some of you are facing pressures. You have decisions to make. And what you need to consider is, should you say no? Sometimes you feel pressure from a relationship that's pushing you in the wrong way. Maybe you need to say no. Perhaps you're being asked to do something unethical or immoral at work. Maybe you need to say no. Perhaps you have an unhealthy relationship with your family and you need boundaries. You need to self as we talk about in faith walking, you need to self-differentiate. You need to say no. Sometimes saying no it's really hard because sometimes when you say no, it jeopardizes the relationship and you worry about what people will think and you worry about the impact you'll have on them if you tell them no. But sometimes courageous action means saying no. Does that make sense? All right. Okay. So yeah, the courage to say no. Um, now, next one, uh, the courage to face the current reality. Now, David was real honest about his current reality. And in a different part of the story, I told you, we see how he, uh, Saul tried to give David his armor and David declined. Uh, David got super clear about his reality. He was a boy. He knew how to use a slingshot. He knew that he was supposed to deliver cheese. And that's it. And he knew he was facing a giant. And he knew what was at stake. He was not mistaken about the reality. This is a bad situation. I don't know if David ran the odds, but it wasn't good odds for him. The facing the current reality means that we're honest in the way we look at the world and assess our situation. We've got to get clear on our situation and what's going on. Let me give you an illustration. Now, when we first began the process of planting this church, there was nobody involved, okay? I didn't know. I knew, like, maybe a few of you. There was Nikki, um, and there was Patrick, and that was it. And (laughs) we had to get real clear on our current reality. We had to say, look, uh, we kind of know what we're going to do. Uh, we also, here's a, here's a clear picture. We don't have any people. <laughs> we don't know what we're going to do. And we had to get clear about where we actually were in order to take the courageous steps to go where we wanted to go. And that's what's true for us, too, for all of us. We've got to get clear on what we need to do. And sometimes that means being honest about our finances. Sometimes it means means being honest about relationships uh, that we're having. We need to get clear about where we're actually at. And if you want to do a project at work, and you know it's going to require vulnerability and courage and all these things, you can't build a project on fake numbers. Uh, We have this saying in church world called pastor math. Where, like, we look out into the audience and we say, wow, it looks like there's thousands of people here today. Oh, yeah, right. And so sometimes we carry that idea that's bad math into the things we do wherever we go. Like, we have to be clear about where we actually are in order to have courage for the future. 
So we got to get clear on our current reality. Uh, last thing, last thing that we see here is the courage to dream. Now, when we look at David, he had the courage to dream big. Not just, hey, maybe can we get out of this fight alive, but maybe we can win. Maybe we can push back the evil forces of the Philistines and we can have a better world for this region, for this country. Now, I think sometimes we are afraid to dream because we're afraid to fail. And the reason we are afraid to dream big is because we're afraid to fail. And the reason we're afraid to fail is because we're afraid of what people might say or what people might think or people might criticize us or people might make fun of us. Let me tell you something. I am sick and tired of critics. I think you should be too. We should come to the conclusion that we have no more time and we have no more energy for critics. Why? Because they're not even in the arena. They're not even with us. And David, do you think when David walked down to gather his stones, do you think there was critics? Do you not think there was someone like sitting on the side like, watch this action, we're all going to be slaves. There were critics. There were critics. And your life, I'm telling you, from now until the day you die, you're going to have critics. They're never going to go away. So if they're never going to go away, what are you going to do about it? Are you going to live in fear of people that have no skin in the game? The answer is no. <laughs> you're not. You're not. So the other day, Nikki was out with a friend. And so I said, you know what I like to do when Nikki's not here? I like to turn on Netflix and watch specials by Brene Brown. And so I watched the special on Brene Brown. And she quoted Theodore Roosevelt, which I will quote to you right now. And this is something that Theodore Roosevelt said uh, back in the day. Good old Teddy. This is what he says. He says, it is not the critic who counts. Not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles or where the doer of deeds could have done them better. The credit belongs to the man who is actually in the arena. Whose face is marred by dust and sweat and blood. Who strives valiantly. Who errs. Who comes up short again and again because there is no effort without error or shortcoming. But who does actually strive to do the deeds. Who knows great enthusiasms. The great devotions. Who spends himself in a worthy cause. Who at the best knows in the end the triumph of high achievement. And who at the worst if he fails, at least fails while daring greatly. My friends, David dared greatly. My friends, you and I, we should dare greatly. We don't need to be consumed with failure. I would rather stand up for what I believe and try to do the thing and dream and have courage, even if it means that I fall on my face. Because you know what? I'm going to die one day and I want to die. And I don't, and when I do die for I could trade all days from this day to that. I want to look back on my life. I want to look back and say, I gave it a shot that I don't want to have regrets. Why well, it was too risky because this person I did, I didn't keep in touch with like 30 years ago said that I was not good at it. Forget it. You're always going to have critics. You want to have courage. You need to dare to dream and you need to act on those dreams. Do you know who dared to dream? His name is Jesus. And David is an example who was 
looking towards the future of the perfect dreamer, the most vulnerable, the guy who knew how to say no the best. David's life was a pointer to the ultimate expression of courage in Jesus. And the reason we Christians follow Jesus is because Jesus demonstrated the ultimate vulnerability, the ultimate ability to say no to the sin and brokenness and destruction and disease of this world, the ability to understand his gifts and live within him, the courage to dream of a better world for us. He displayed that courage fully and fully expressed it when he came and lived on this earth lived a perfect life, and then willingly went to the cross and was executed on our behalf, and then showed that he had power over all things. By three days later, coming back from the dead, he had the courage back then, and that courage, because he rose from the dead, is available to you. That is available to you. That the re- You don't need to have courage and just drum yourself up by your own boots, uh, bootstraps. Uh, I, I messed that all up. You don't need to pull yourself up by your own bootstraps. There is a deep supernatural courage that comes from outside of yourself. And it's not a strategy or a philosophy. It's a person. And his name is Jesus. And so I'm here to offer that to you today. You need courage for your life, for your situations, for your work. For the, for the difficult addictions that you may face. And I'm telling you that if you were to come to Jesus. Say, Jesus, help me to have the courage. He will supernaturally give you the courage that you need. Why don't we all stand? I'm going to invite the band back up. Will you pray with me? I'm going to pause. God... Uh, I ask that, uh, I thank you so much um, that you demonstrated full courage uh, in Jesus Christ. And God, we thank you for the example of David. And I ask that you would help each of us to establish courage in our life. That you would give us what we need. God, I ask you would even begin to show us as we pray right now. You would search our minds and help us to know what are the areas where I'm shying away from being courageous. God, where do you want me to step out and operate in courage? God, I ask you to help us to remember that courage isn't without fear, but courage uh, is, we demonstrate courage in spite of fear. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.